Mi gente, this podcast episode is sponsored by a fellow podcast called Dominicans in Tech, which is an initiative for the Ministry of Industry, Commerce, and Small Medium Enterprises of the Dominican Republic. They are on a mission to connect with Dominicans in the tech sector around the world and tell their full, powerful stories that will inspire future generations to enter this sector. Check out this podcast. The link is in the show notes. And it's just a really cool initiative. Also coming up, like I was the single earner for my family, you know, I was helping my single mom with my siblings and all those things. So for me to speak up was also like putting my family's livelihood at risk. And I remember just like being like, oh, like I could lose my job, which means like, you know, all that I'm providing is going to be gone. And I remember coming back to my family and every single time they're like, no, you speak, we're going to be okay. Because to speak is, is the fight. And especially, you know, to have a sense of agency, some of us only have our voice, right? So if we don't speak up, are we really making that difference in the world the way Roberto said, right? That's, yeah. that's how I see it. Dijimelo mi gente, what up, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Quien Tu Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy and host, Pavel Martinez, bring you another special episode with another very special guest. The clip you just heard in the intro is with this week's guest, Dania Matos. Dania actually began her tenure as the fourth vice chancellor for the Division of Equity and Inclusion at the University of California, Berkeley in August 2021. Prior to her coming to Berkeley, she was actually the inaugural associate chandler and chief diversity officer at the University of California, Merced. Dania was awarded the top DEI advocate by the National Diversity Council. In 2020, she was selected as a Leadership Academy Fellow by the Hispanic Association of Colleges and University. And in 2018, she was named one of the top 25 women in higher education. To get a full bio, please check out the show notes. Now that you have some more background on our guests, I think it's fair to just get into the episode. I'm really excited for y'all to listen to this. All right, let's go. Let's kick it off where we typically kick it off with the word authenticity. It's such a buzzword. But to you, what does it mean? What comes up for you when you hear that word? Oh, my God. So many things. I mean, I think that, first of all, what comes up is just gratefulness, right? Gratefulness to be raised by a single mom who, like, really infused that into me and, and kind of told me, look, the world's going to re- be really good at telling you everything you're not. So you need to be really good at recognizing everything that you are, right? And your authenticity and what drives you and what those values are. So being authentic to me is really like, how do I center beauty and joy in the center of injustice, right? Cause like this country wasn't built for me, right? All those different spaces and places. I think about how I show up and what that authenticity drives, what choices I make professionally and personally, who I'm around, right? Like what I say no to and what, you know and the people that are not serving me. So be, uh, being authentic for me is really part of that grounding, right? And just really thinking about that space and place. I also think about just how my authenticity really drives like what I do in the world, right? And, and how, how I show up and how, again, that same mom and my abuelita really kind of um, ensured that they knew I was inheriting a struggle, right? And that I had something to do about the world um, I was inheriting. So 
Uh, fun fact, I don't know if we talked about this, but Roberto Clemente is my grandmother's cousin, right? So famous baseball player, right? In Puerto what? Rico and I, I know, amazing humanitarian. So when I talk about authenticity being in my DNA, like I really, I really feel that and honor that. And so I, there's a famous quote he has, it's like, well, if you have an opportunity to do something in the world and you don't, you're wasting your time on earth. Yeah. And so like that really hit me from a young age, right? Like I knew that. I knew he was in my lineage. I knew where I came from and I belong. So it's for me, it's really just doing that, being present, being intentional um, with who I am and, and being vulnerable too, right? In these spaces that don't lend itself to that. Anytime, well, no, I'm like, anytime I've shown up being authentic, I try to do that all the time. And just this connection you build with people, right? They're like, yeah. wow, you doing that gave me permission to do it, right? From the red lipstick to the hoops to, you know, dancing a little bit in between meetings and things. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what shows up for me. Yeah, no pressure, you know, just huge baseball star, huge, huge advocate for a bunch of things. Yeah, I, I, like, it's like almost like you have to do something, something big to follow up in those shoes, right? Oh my God, for sure. Lots of pressure, right? But I think it's, it's more also the continuing the lineage, right? In our yeah. big and small ways, right? I Look, I got no baseball skills. I can cheer. I'm like a really good <laughs> people raiser. I'm a good hype woman, right? I used to go to all my little brother's baseball games. Um, that wasn't my thing. I was a dancer, right? So, so I think about what are the pockets and ways I can do that, but definitely honoring number 21. That is my number. I love that. Um... Tell me a little bit about, like you mentioned, you realized the world wasn't built for you. Like that's deep. When did you realize that? Oh my God. And, and, and in my, in my very, uh, I want to say the womb, right. But <laughs> <I really laughs> like the, thinking about, you know, I'm being from Puerto Rico, right. I was very aware of the colonial subjectivity of my Island. Right. I was very aware from that upbringing in my family. Like my family was very, woke, if you will, and also politically mm. advocate, right? And so they were like, look, this is what's happening on the mainland when you go to the continental US. So even having that language of the relationship to the United States and saying, we are a part of it. And the Jones Act in 1917 gave us citizenship, but this is why, because they wanted brown bodies to go fight in the World War I. Uh, you know, so thinking about those elements, like I grew up kind of knowing that. I want to say I was probably like two, but we only really remember things at five, you know? So for me, it was just really knowing that. Um, I think it was also thinking about like, I've always had a big mouth and I think uh, I wanted to use my big mouth to get in some good trouble. So I remember kind of early on in kindergarten in Miami actually, cause we moved um, when I was young. And I remember like saying hello to the teacher in multiple languages. I think I was like, hello, hola, bonjour. And she was oh. like, <laughs> and she was like, Daniela, we speak English here. And I was like, actually, my mom told me I can speak whatever I want. <laughs> so oh. I think for me though, realizing, oh, my different ways of expressing myself and showing up are not welcome here, right? The system is not welcoming me here. Right. And how how can I shift that narrative? I think my mom might have been called to the principal's office that time. But at this point, she was just sort of, <laughs> you keep doing that. That's how I raised you. That's what I taught you. And I remember um, there's a big difference between my siblings and I. So when they were going to school, I remember teaching them the same thing, being like, remember, you can say hello to your teacher, whatever language you want. That's fascinating. Cause I, cause I have a, um, I have a niece in Florida and she's, you know, I don't know, two or whatever, but she's starting whatever age kids go to school. I'm so like, I have no idea. 
um, whatever. Well, there's preschool. <laughs> there's preschool, right? So I think we need help early. So. Well, she's at the point where she can talk, though. So maybe kindergarten. I have no idea. Anyway, We're she's, starting, <laughs> she's starting to go to school, and her grandmother, um, her grandmother talks to her in Spanish, right? So she grew up well early early on like knowing some of these spanish words right but then she goes to school and no one else speaks spanish so now she, when she comes back home and her grandmother talks to her in spanish she's like no no english only because she now wants to be like well no one else is talking spanish i want to fit in you know what i mean so it's interesting that you got sort of like a different um upbringing if you will like still maintaining some of that for you oh gosh and that breaks my heart right to like think yeah. about that because language access is so key and and to think of like who languages are colonized too, right? I think about all the time that I don't even know what my people actually spoke because they got decimated, mm. you know? So I don't really, you know, so Spanish, English, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I want to know what the Taino Indians spoke, right? Like I want that. Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a great point. It was interesting you, you mentioned that you had a big mouth, right? And that got you into some good trouble. I'm wondering like, as you grew older, like how did that, yeah, did no, you continue I mean, I, to get that feedback? I mean, <laughs> yes and no, right? I think uh, as I grew up, right, for me, that big mouth was like really zealous advocacy, right? For me, especially kind of in my formative undergrad years, it, you know, coming up, it was like activism, right? And in and, and, and those spaces. Um, and my family definitely came out as sort of like, right, and some gender roles that I could, I could we can talk about that, right? Because in terms of like, how do you speak up and speak out? Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as an attorney, it was really important for me to like speak in spaces that that was. Um, so I didn't kind of receive that kind of space. But it was affirmed, but it's because I picked a career that did that. Right. And it wasn't even um, one of those things where it was like big mouth. And, and by that, I mean, to me, to speak and honor your voice is, is to fight. And that's one of the purest forms of love. Right. So when I think about authenticity, I think about how I lead with love. And to me, love meaning means speaking up. I wrote a really great piece. Uh, I'll share it with you. But it was um, I used to do spoken word back when I had time in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, yeah, actually, I'm pretty good. Not too shabby, I might add. I got to look um, at these YouTube clips. They're out there somewhere. Oh, my God. No, I, this was pre-YouTube, maybe. So uh -oh. probably, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what year YouTube came in, but uh, thinking about also coming up, like I was the single earner for my family, you know, I was helping my single mom with my siblings and all those things. So for me to speak up was also like putting my family's livelihood at risk. And I remember just like being like, oh, like I could lose my job, which means like, you know, all that I'm providing is going to be gone. And I remember coming back to my family and every single time they're like, no, you speak, we're going to be okay. Because to speak is, is the fight. And especially, you know, to have a sense of agency, some of us only have our voice, right? So if we don't speak up, are we really making that difference in the world the way Roberto said, right? That's, yeah. that's how I see it. That's deep. I mean, I think it takes a level of representation too, though, because your family is telling you, no, like, no, no, don't worry about us. Like, keep it going. What made you want to speak up? Like, was it certain injustices that you were seeing? You mentioned, you know, at an early age, being educated on, on Puerto Rico and the history of its relationship with the U.S., I'm wondering if there's anything else that you that you felt the urge or need or desire to speak up for your community. Yeah, I mean, I would say so I grew up mostly, you know, all up and down the East Coast. I think I mentioned Miami, but also northern New Jersey, right? 
And, you know, I realized that I was a product of everything I'm against. That is to say, I came up in the gifted and talented program. And if you know anything about those programs, they um, tell children you're only talented in this one area, right? So there's academically talented um, music, mm -hmm. visual arts and physical education. But as you can imagine, that AT group, that academically talented group was predominantly white. And that's the group I was in. And we had access to the best teachers and the best places, right? And then where do you think the black and brown kids were? In the physical education and the visual arts. And so I was witnessing this, right? And, and this was supposed to be like the best education. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a product of everything I'm against. How do I dismantle these systems? Why are we telling children that you're only talented in this spaces? And why are we putting the black and brown kids in these other spaces? Because I'm multi-talented, multi-interested. I could sing, right? I was playing an instrument. Well, I don't know about PE, right? But there were other groups <laughs> I could be there. I could be in. And so for me, that was another awakening where, you know, I, I knew I wanted to, to challenge this and dismantle them and then, you know, build it back up something new that really serves everyone. I'm curious too, because you've had so many of those experiences in, in very corporate settings as well, like law. Like, um, I can't imagine a more corporate setting, maybe like finance, right? But I think there are certain expectations of what someone in that career field looks like, dresses like, speaks like. So when you thought about authenticity going into some of those spaces, you know, how did you feel? No, that's really, really good to, to bring up because I really, and when I was in those spaces, right, that was before we are getting more cognizant around gender identity and sexual orientation, right? So it was very gendered in the male female way, right? I don't think they had even gotten to like anything beyond that. Um, and in terms of being authentic, yeah, it was, you know, it's a very kind of competitive space. And I think women were expected and I will bifurcate that, right? Women of color, there was this certain like exotification, like my, my suit can't be right, like too tight or like yeah. all those different things that, when, you know, as, as a Latina, I'm so proud of my body and I'm proud of like, you know, all those different spaces, but I had to be hyper aware for others. And I remember the minute I realized that that was happening, I was so upset with myself because I'm like, wait, why am I conforming to that, right? Like to me, that wasn't showing up authentic. You know, mm -hmm. why am I not embracing the bright, bold colors that I love like red, you know, um, when I felt like I had been exotified by that way, right? Like, especially, you know, thinking about, um, you know, in the law firm structure, very hierarchical and the higher up you go, the older and the white and the male it is, right? So mm -hmm. thinking about those, I remember this one time we had a diversity training and I was like, okay, <laughs> where, <laughs> where is this coming from? Like, why are we doing this? Because again, it didn't feel authentic, mm -hmm. right? And so when I think about authenticity, it's really aligning yourself with, with organizations that also feel authentic to you. So for me, it was one of those moments of like, do I need to leave? Like, what's going on? Um, and it was really one of our clients said, you know, until you get more lawyers that look like me, and he was a black general counsel, um, you're not going to get my business. So all of a sudden, we're in this like diversity training, um, teaching partners how, how to not call me baby and dear, because I'm an attorney. <laughs> so Jesus. That, that's, a, that's a boss move that I hope to do one day. Like when I have clients, or when I have an agency, when I have a team, I want to I want to be able to say that. Um, oh my God. And I think it's, it's something we all do, right? Like we know the coin yeah. drives things. Yeah. All so. facts. A hundred percent. Somebody, um, Antonio Lucio, I don't know if you know him. He used to be the previous uh, chief marketing officer at Facebook. When he was at Dell, he did the same thing. 
he went because he, you know, he was in charge of like millions of dollars of advertising spend. And he said that he would only work with an agency that had like a certain percentage of, um, you know, black employees, Hispanic employees, Latino employees, et cetera. And I was like, yo, yeah, that's how you make change. That's... I'm curious, though, because you, you mentioned you mentioned certain things and I want to I want to get into that. Right. Like. Being called baby or honey or miss or like you talk about like that sexualization or um, object objectification of you like I think sometimes we tell ourselves stories we make up we make up stories we're like oh I'm not gonna wear that or do that because they're gonna say xyz um and those stories are valid right because we've seen those experiences happen to other people or sometimes it's just like straight up no they they told me that <laughs> you know so I'm wondering like which one was it for you or both Gosh, it's definitely been both, right? You're 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 trying to get me back to a place that you know, um, in some ways, right? Sometimes we forget, and sometimes we lock up, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but thinking about it, it was, you know, one right. There's mechanisms to report that stuff, right? And then, but again, and thinking about authenticity, like, are those mechanisms really built up, right? To to have people be authentic because some people are authentically like that, right? Some people are authentically, right? Sexist, racist, all those things. So there's this, <laughs> this element of that too. Um, but it was really both, right? It was really, and the power dynamics, right? I was coming up in my career, right? Young Latina, I'm already a part of a profession. It's only 2% Latina lawyers. Wow. Right, that's wild. So, you know, thinking about that, how I'm carrying it for my people really has you think about that too, right? So speaking up doesn't come become an individual act. It's this like collective community ancestral thing of like, I don't wanna, you know, there's too few of us. So I need to yeah. keep pushing, right? Yeah. And I need to get forward. And where is this on the sliding scale? The fact that you even have to think that, you know, it's definitely with, and what are the ways that I'm gonna approach this, right? Does it matter? to like heal myself first and all those different things, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a lot, so of, it's it was, a lot of pressure. Like I used to tell myself, damn, if I do something crazy, then they're not going to hire another one of us kind of thing. So yeah, exactly. Sorry, Cause you're, no, you're representing everyone the same way. I mean, and, and think about it in school. Unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Everyone goes to you like, Hey, what do you think for the Puerto Ricans? And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> or the Latinos. Right. I'm like, I don't know. Ask all of them, you know? Uh, <laughs> But you're right, or it's, it's, oh my God, you just brought me back to a story that happened to me once. Um, there was a case involving a Puerto Rican, and I think it was a time where the recession, right? And they were looking to save money on translators or something. They were like, you're Puerto Rican, you should do this. And I was like, <laughs> no. It drives no, me crazy. No. Yeah, it's, 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 it's wrong in so many ways. Yeah, so, so were some of those things said to you directly, or do you think that was just like your own perception going into it oh no these are all said I these are facts these are all receipts yeah those things oh. were said to me and and you know in that moment right it's that like did that really happen like all the mental gymnastics yeah. you do in your head of like okay what do I do what do I say and again it's the power dynamics okay this is my boss this is someone on the side what you know and I was like my favorite phrase though is what do you mean by that yeah. like that's <laughs> <laughs> that causes people to pause and be like, oh, wait. So the reactions to that, usually I'm like, oh, really? What do you mean by that? What do you mean by the Puerto Rican should take the Puerto Rican? Or, you know, what do you mean by baby? Really oh, sure. my God. When did you when did you get the confidence to even ask that question, though? Because that's 
because that's an uncomfortable situation. Like there's an awkward pause. There's a silence. You know what I mean? And it's interesting. Like for me, before I used to like wait for one performance review to come in or maybe two to be like, oh, I got the validation. I'm doing a good job so that if they come at me, I got the receipts. I say like, yo, I'm, I'm killing it at work. You know what I mean? Um, for other people, it's like a certain age or like experience level in their career where they're like, I'm going to start, you know, speaking up for myself, defending myself. Like, <laughs> when did you get the confidence to ask people, what do you mean by that? Gosh, again, I'm so grateful. I was so young. Like I get my family. Really? I'm all, like, I, yeah, that's why I said it was the womb. Like those seeds were planted <laughs> young. I'm telling you, I'm sure. <laughs> You know how they say you should play music for your, well, I don't know if you know, but I don't know yeah, if yeah, there's yeah. these things that said you should play like music for your babies because they could hear it in the womb. Mm-hmm. I, I have to ask my mama what she was playing for me because maybe <laughs> it was like Guerrera music or something. <laughs> just like, I feel like I came out with, with that, but she also cultivated that. And I'll have to say, I had a space to come back to talk about those things, right? Like like when those things happened, I, I came home to really like debrief the day and, and strategize with my family, right? Cause really? So, yeah. So oh my God, that, that's beautiful. <laughs> and I'm just saying that's beautiful and maybe, yeah, I don't know which one would resonate more with people, but in my experience, like I had those conversations to myself. I think that's what made it so difficult for me. Yeah, and and also because what I was grateful about like that family aspect is that, you know, it wasn't at work because, you know, people are too small so like that building that trust with people that like, they're not going to go say it. So like, I certainly knew not to confide in, in a colleague. Right. But um, I, I could do that. And, and friendships. Right. I think that um, when I was coming up being in DC, it's a, there's a lot of um, young Latino professionals. And so there's a group. So I felt like the 2% of Latinas and lawyers were all congregated in DC because we all <laughs> knew each other. Right. So like there were spaces for that too, but I'm really, really grateful. And I think, I think it was my, my mom's own journey and evolution. You know, she had me at 20. She left Puerto Rico to go to college by herself with me. So there was this like inbred confidence in her actions that she had to have that she was like, my little girl is going to have this, right? Like I'm finishing college to be an example for her. And so I want to make sure I instill her from the beginning with that. I, I love that. Um, Cause you referenced earlier you know, something is in the room and you look around, you're like, yo, am I going crazy? Because in many times, like, there's not that person next to you in the meeting because it's only 2%, right? There's not that person in the room that you can help, like, confirm, like, did that, did that just happen? Um, and I would often, like, sure, there were some people at work, but um, it wasn't that many. And I'd often need to feel comfortable sharing some of those experiences. And then I got home and I'm just like, I'm not gonna tell my mom, she, she's not gonna understand. Um, she's gonna give me that advice of just like, you know, ah, you know, that happens, keep working, brush it off kind of thing. So the fact you had that safe space is, I'm sure was so instrumental to just like expressing some of those experiences and and getting over it and, and seeing how, to your point, how you can strategize to, to work in that space and still deal with some of those things. That's so true. I will say though, it's been an evolution, right? Cause I think we had to deal with our own, like internal colorism racism you know i i love my abuelita and she's okay with saying that but she'd always be like lighter better like oh you know mm-hmm. all those things so especially in the work i do now i remember when i was first making the the switch from you know um attorney to chief diversity officer they were like ¿Qué es eso? what's that <laughs> right <laughs> they were like 
diversity why, why would you need that you know and then and then there was a they don't care about us why do you should you care about them and i'm like i don't know who us was um but to see their own evolution and that same safe space that i had to like cultivate and talk about that we're able to talk about that and, and break that down to now the point they're like one super proud right but two also like hey this is happening are you protesting what's going on what are you doing i feel like they're the mega activists here and like putting the pressure on me like Dania, dale, you know we need to mobilize and let me not get started on twitter my mom's always having me tweet for her <laughs> no way about what <laughs> about mobilizing the vote that's today's right now so everyone go vote <laughs> She in the Latino community, and so she's she. We just taught her how to text, so Twitter's another thing. So I'm 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 her ghostwriter. Oh my god, your mom's gonna be on Twitter. She's gonna go. She's gonna blow up. Exactly, she is. Talk about going viral. That's gonna be her. <laughs> I think she has a pseudo name too, so that's good uh, for me. So you'll never know. You'll never know. <laughs> uh, tell me, tell me about that move though, from from law to to the education. Like, why that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, I was really grateful uh, for the criminal defense space. But what I realized, too, is that I saw a lot of the ugly in the world, like the real ugly, you know, and things that, um, especially as someone who shows up authentically and is like connected to being vulnerable and stuff really impacted me in ways that that I didn't think, right, you know, thinking about when, when you talk about federal law, right, you're talking about homicide, embezzlement, you know, child porn, like all these things that are very heavy. Um, and the thread in this, my client's story, I, I went in like super, like, I'm going to win every case. Like I'm going to, you know, and here, here I was struggling. I was like, wow, I have no, I was like Sotomayor, but thinking about Sonia Sotomayor, but, um, I was like, Elle Woods, legally blonde, except I'm legally brunette. Right. <laughs> so I'm the, la the Latina version of that. Right. So, um, we need to make an, a Latina version, like legal name brunette or something. Cause I was like, wow, we don't have an example. Um, anyway, so I went in thinking I'm gonna win every case. And like, I, I left saying like, if I had one late day less in jail, right? Like one like sentencing guidelines and attracting that. And then the thread of my client's story really being lack of access and opportunity. And I was so grateful because uh, yeah, I was like one of those superstar kids, A plus and all those things. But I remember that like, there was always someone along the way, especially, it's not like I woke up like that, right? Like, you know, you don't wake, well, maybe you, you probably wake up amazing. I don't, right? <laughs> I, have to I have to generate that, right? It's not, I don't wake up feeling like super empowered and all those things. Like it's a generative process, but I remember like no one asked them to step into their greatness when they didn't see it in themselves, right? So then they sat and like everything society was telling them. And so for me, the the switch was like, one, taking care of myself, but two, how do I do it so that we're never at this point, right? Because for me, that's the end point. You know, we're talking death penalty. We're talking taking people's lives and putting them in these structures, again, um, that are very racist yeah. and systematically so. So for me, going into higher ed was like, how, how can I eradicate that? And now I oversee a division where in my division sits our um, Hope Scholars Program, which is our formerly incarcerated. Wow. students so for them actually I had one of them do one of my intro videos and it was such a beautiful moment where they shared with me like you're the first person in this role that I feel validated by like you get my story you get me 
And he's like, I don't know what to expect. I just said I would help with this video and then it's you and you're sharing your story. And that moment literally brought me to tears. And I was like, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm authentic when I show up because they saw their authenticity, right? And they felt like in a space where they didn't belong, they did. And that's centering beauty, right? To me, that was a beautiful moment in the center of injustice. That is beautiful. Um, Wow. Yeah. I'm curious, was it, what do you think about you where he felt validated? He or she, I, I don't remember what you said. Yeah, um, shared understanding, right? Like I knew I knew the world they had navigated, right? I, I knew, I understood, right? And I was able to say, actually, like I was fighting that fight for you, right? It was so funny because even then, like <laughs> my own clients who were black or brown were like, you're my lawyer, right? Like they're <laughs> so used <laughs> to being a- <laughs> A white person right so they were like questioning me because I didn't like have that portrayal of those things right I also think there was there was a shared Latinidad there right and so I was able to like connect and talk about that and also just you know I again I can't speak for them because I don't know what their previous experience was but for me it was that moment of the story I shared of why I even went into higher ed that moment just like was like that light bulb I was like aha and here it is like week two, I'm meeting them, yeah. you know, and, and I oversee a division. They are here. Like, this is my why. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. One of my previous guests, uh, shout out to Catalina. She had a, she had this uh, analogy or this, this phrase, not analogy, but she said, um, like when you become, when you are your most authentic self, what you become is a mirror for other people. And they don't necessarily see exact match right being reflected back at them but it could be like a little shard a little piece of themselves that they see in you you know what I mean and that's that will get that's what gives them permission to be like oh shit Danielle's doing it like that means I could do it um right I can't imagine how often that happens to you probably um like people just be like oh my god you're in that position like wait what so many times I have to say it even and 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 you know it's something that uh, from students right I'm assuming yeah no from students from faculty and staff I say that because like you know I I I you know I have to go to events and all those things and there was a homecoming event and you know I've again baseball right I've always wanted a walk-up song you know I love when they say <laughs> that right and the batter doesn't like I walk around life as if I had a walk-up song right you know and then it changes so when I'm walking to the office, like it's in my head, I swear. What, <laughs> so, what would be your walk-up song? Oh my God, right now, like I'm feeling a lot of Farruko, right? So like, okay, yeah. Be, yeah, <laughs> one of that. And then, you know, like, um, I gotta give a shout out to that buddy. All right, pretty, a lot of Puerto Rico. Oh, I just heard amazing, um, the Loud podcast that went through the history of reggaeton with a narrated by Evie it. Queen. Oh, it's amazing. It. So anyway, it brought up a lot of great songs like- Yo, Evie Queen. And, Oh my Mico God, C, El like, yeah, talk about like all those things. So I feel like my walk-up song would be a myriad of like a mix of reggaeton, salsa, some pop, hip hop, like all of those. Anyway, Farruko's my jam right now. <laughs> how long is, how long is this walk-up? <laughs> oh no, there's walk-ups for different things. Like you need to look, when you're being authentic, you need all those walk-up songs, like all those things. I, so anyway. I do, I do think it's hilarious though, because if you ever go to a baseball game, since, since it's so uh latino based like all the walk-up songs are in spanish it's hilarious it's like yeah it's like you're going to the club it's hilarious 
I already have been to a couple of Oakland A's games out here. And like, let me tell you, I get up and dance every single one. And <laughs> let me tell you, the, the songs in Spanish aren't just by the Latino players. Like it's infectious. Their counterparts, Ooh. like I saw some of the folks doing that. Anyway, so there was, a, you know, they were introducing me to speak because I had to. And I remember that day I was like, you know what? I'm gonna wear my, my school hoodie hoops, right? Like, and some sneakers. And like, I like to be in the background, right? Because I like to push narratives of what it means to be at my level, right? And have this role. And the song came on. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna dance on my way up. Like, as it was a walk up, right? And so I remember that space where like, uh, my brother was in the audience and he was like, don't tell anybody I'm your brother so that like, I could hear what they say about you. Cause that's part of like, like, you know, having your back. And he's like, when you went up there, like, she's the person, right? And like, oh, she could dance and like all these things. So this like authenticity of they were like, oh, we could dance too when we go up and do these spaces, right? Like it doesn't have to be this like stuffy, stoic blazer, you know, hello and welcome kind of thing, you know? I was <laughs> like, ah. How did that make you feel when he told you that? Were you nervous oh, so even going into it? You know what I mean? Oh, no, I was, right? I was like, I'm a trip, right? Or should I? And I'm then you start thinking, like, <laughs> <laughs> then, no, like, who's in the audience? Like, mm -hmm. right? Like, are they gonna, you know, what kind of moves do I do? Oh, yeah. And these are like split second decisions, right? But again, it was just really wanting me to be, stay true to who I am, right? And, 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 and have people see that, like, the reason I took on these roles, too, for is to model and people to be what they could see. Right. And so what they see really matters to me and, and all those places. So um, now I felt really good. I was just like, all right, let me like, I was like, what's my next walk up song? Like every <laughs> event, I should have one, you know? <laughs> it's like you, you need your own DJ to start curating your walk up playlist. I, uh, do you know any? That's such a brilliant <laughs> idea. I actually need one. Faruka, can you hear me? Do you have a DJ? <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on it. No, that that's beautiful. So I'll, I'll end with this last one too, because um, your story's dope. It, and it's fascinating too, because I think most people start, um, like at some point in their phase, they, you know, they go through the code switching and the shame, but yo, your support system, yo, shout out to your mom. Cause she held no, it. Shout out mommy. Shout out mommy. <laughs> no, but seriously, like she held it down. I mean, she created this, this safe space for you where y'all can like talk about these situations. She, she sounded so empowering and, and motivating and, and, and shapeful in, in just your, in your confidence. So it's, it's so dope. Um, but we're not done, you know, working on ourselves. We're still working on a bunch of things. Like what inspires you to continue going and continue um, being your most authentic self in these spaces? The opportunities and the platform, right? So yes, very grateful for my mother and, and but also that responsibility piece, right? So what inspires me is like all, all the people I don't know, right? All the people that I know are watching. It's, you know, with every step of my career, the amount of people that say, hey, I've been watching you from the background and you're inspiring me. Hey, I've been watching you and like, and I hear it from all over the world to the point where I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have a gift and I'm a woman of faith too. Like God gave me something and I need to do something with it and about it. And so for me, it's, every day like what's my impact what have i done like what am i grateful for right and for me i think about the opportunity to do this and, and to now to have this platform at berkeley right number one and forbes shout out to that that platform is something that i don't take lightly and and i have a responsibility to do about for, for all of us right so that the people know 
that this is this is what it means to be number one authentic, right? And to number one servingness and all this stuff. So um, when I say an administrator of joy and authenticity, like that, that inspires me, right? Um, because I know this journey isn't my own. So many have walked it before me. So many will walk it after me. I want to make my ancestors proud, but I want to make, you know, whoever's ancestor I am proud too. So that for me is, is and it's, it's going to be things I never know of, right? When you think about legacy building, it's not something you do intentionally. It's sort of like, oh, wow, like that's what happened because of, of that. So this is, this is for the gente. This is not just for me. Mi gente, that wraps up this week's episode of the Quintuetas podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor, leave us a rating and a review. It just helps us in the algorithm to ensure that these stories get heard by as many people as possible. Scaling these stories and experiences is the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you. I see you next week.